Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. Some councils are auditing schools and urging a ban on the terms boy and girl. For those who are in an open or polyamorous relationship, your relationships are holy. A gay black woman's victim status is less than that of a black trans woman who ranks below a black Muslim trans woman. We don't want to just win the argument about sexuality. We want to use this as a gospel opportunity. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And away we go. It's the Wretched Radio Mail Call Delivery Bag Q&A Infotainment Nationwide Extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! Ooh, Shane. May I call you, darling, Shane for sending questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, stories, sermons, articles, anything wretched to idea at wretched.org we would never find much of what we get to read about if it weren't for you so when you see something wretched mooey dunkashane for sending it to idea at wretched.org all right this comes from jeff who says todd i have never heard you mention the millennium that i can remember what are your views on the thousand years of satan being bound oh capiche oh i think we have I'll confess, and I, I know this isn't great, but eschatology has never been a specialty of mine, possibly because when I initially started studying the four major views, and by the way, if you're looking for a pretty helpful summary of the four major views, I believe it's called Rose Publishing. They have a, it's a laminated sort of affair, and all they do is just lay out, here's the four big positions. When I started doing my studies on eschatology, what I definitively learned is, woofda, there's a whole lot of fighting going on. And for good reason. This is important, especially when it comes to the role of Israel in the end times, which is why I'm still a pre-trib dispensationalist. I do believe in the seven years, a thousand years, eternal years. Because I can't, I just, I can't get around the verses. So do I believe that there's going to be a millennial reign? Absolutely, because... I I don't know what else to do with a thousand-year reign of Jesus other than it's a thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. Now, would I get into a tussle with somebody who disagrees? Well, I'd, I'd want to talk about the implications of the world, of the particular eschatological system, but it's not one that we should divide over. We can still love one another. Now, for instance, and I, I don't think he's shy about this, I think Vody is a post-tribber. I love Vody. He tolerates me, but I love Vody. We don't need to go to the mattresses over this. Let's wrangle it out. Let's make sure that we work through it, considering the implications, especially about Israel. And maybe just maybe we can have a pleasant conversation about it. Just one note, if you don't mind, though. If somebody teaches that we have the ability to usher in the thousand years, whatever they happen to think it is. Oh boy, I think that's problematic. Do I think it's heretical? No, I think it's super problematic in that it changes our focus from building Christ's kingdom known as the church to trying to uh, remedy and help this society get to the place where Jesus will return. 
especially if it turns into dominionism, which it does for the New Apostolic Reformation folks, where they believe that through their actions by conquering the seven mountains of society, that they will usher in the return of Jesus. They go even further, and he's going to take everybody's stuff that's a pagan and give it equally to the Christians. That is a bad eschatology. Please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right. This one comes from Kayla. Todd, what is the best way to bring someone's sin to uh, to bring to light someone's sin without them accusing you of being judgmental? Well, sorry. Well, at first I thought I could help you. (laughs) (laughs) You throw in the little caveat about not sounding judgmental. Before you bring something to somebody's attention, even a quick hallway conversation in the church, pray about it. I'm telling you, it will save you some pain because God will align your heart with his. And yes, you can be concerned about a sin, but you'll approach it lovingly, which is how we are supposed to disciple one another, respectfully, lovingly. So pray for your heart. Make sure you assemble your Bible verses. Don't go into a dispute or a correction without the sword, because otherwise it's just your opinion versus their opinion. Bring your Bible verses and then lay it forth in a loving, respectful way and do your best. Ask for correction. A good way to start these conversations is, is is to, I think, identify with the person in that particular sin. So somebody's somebody's a liar. You can start the conversation with, you know, I got to tell you, I understand what it means to struggle with lying. In fact, before I was saved, oofta, did I do a bunch of lying. But I want to talk to you now about what I heard you say. That didn't seem to be exactly the truth. Could we work through that? Don't accuse, ask a question because you want to hear their side of the story, what is their defense, and then encourage them to repent lovingly. And please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right, this one from Sebastian, who says, Dear Mr. Times Infinity Friel. That'll do. Yeah. <laughs> the biblical difference between a man and uh, or male and female and their roles are obvious, but what about their younger and older states? At what point is one considered a man versus a boy or a woman versus a girl? Is it societal or is it based off spiritual maturity? Uh, <laughs> I think it's based off a of maturity period, spiritual and otherwise. The best quote that I recall with this this debate, because let's be honest, cultures tend to define when somebody becomes an adult. We say it's 18. The quote I heard is, you become a man when your father says you're a man. (laughs) And you become a woman when your mother says you're a woman. It's definitely based on maturity. It's definitely based on abilities. It's because you could argue constantly, well, what constitutes an adult? What is 18? Well, they sort of seem to have their act together. Well, we made that decision before we understood that their frontal lobe isn't fully developed till they're 25. Is that what it's supposed to be? No, that's not fair either. So a judgment about a young person becoming an adult should be made based on their actions, their beliefs, their maturity, and their ability to process reality, which certainly won't be perfect, but it certainly should be at a higher level than a child's questions, comments, conundrums, 
Snarks idea at wretched.org. All right. This one from Anonymous, who says, hello, Mr. 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 Friel. Mm. And Mr. 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 Hicks. That's the first for that. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> is it biblically, biblically acceptable for a man who is in a courting relationship with one woman to be close friends and spend time alone with another woman? That ain't a good idea. No. It just, it's just not a good idea. I couldn't tell you it's a sin. It's just unwise. You, you should be giving your attention to the one that you are pursuing and you don't want to be distracted from that effort. Furthermore, you don't want to be tempted by that. Boys being friends with girls, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky deal. Uh, I'm going to say something, and if you're a younger woman, you're probably going to think, oh, insert eye roll here. Men really, as a rule, I can't say it's 100%, but as a rule, usually don't see a girl who happens to be a friend in a merely platonic way. So know that if you are a young woman, be careful about that. And if you're a young man, be careful about putting yourselves into situations that could become compromising, tempting, or just look bad. Hey, wait a second. I thought you were dating, but now you're with, what's the... And so becoming an adult means making decisions about things that maybe are are a little difficult and maybe seem a little bit puritanical, be striving for wisdom. And I think wisdom says, yeah, probably not a good idea. Idea at wretched.org. Yeah, I think um, there's a difference between being friends with and spending time with, you know, whether you're married or not. You know, I've, I've got there's female friends in my life that I would, you know, women that I would consider friends, but I'm not going to spend time alone with them. Yeah, that's just that's just not wise. Right. Anybody could walk by and go, what's up with that? I thought Jimmy was married, and but he's with whatever. So, so just to tussle it out a little bit, does that mean you're in a classroom and you walk by a girl and you just give her the cold shoulder? Because, no, it doesn't mean that. doesn't mean in a group setting that you couldn't talk to them. No, it doesn't mean that either. But being alone with somebody the opposite gender has big implications, tons of temptations, and nothing really good is going to come out of it. So be wise, be careful. Don't forget, incidentally, that's the re reason for the Graham-Pence rule, that they would never be in a hotel room alone. Oi, 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 what that would say. People would <laughs> accuse him of being Brian Houston. <laughs> we don't want <clears throat> that, do we? Practice wisdom. Be dignified. And if you don't know exactly what that looks like, ask your parents. That's right. I just went ahead and said it. Ask your parents. They will be thrilled to help. And please send questions, comments, conundrum snarks to idea at wretched.org. We'll continue mailbagging it next on Wretched Radio. Let's visit a preborn life center in action. Look at that baby. Abortion pill reversal actually works. That's a beating heart. Oh, look how small it is. Tell me. That doesn't encourage you to consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched. $28 purchases a free ultrasound 
for a mommy who will choose life. It is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you things like Wretched Radio airs on over 820 Christian radio stations, or Wretched TV appears on 125 Christian TV stations. I could tell you that the Wretched Radio podcast has had nearly 5 million downloads in the last year, or the Wretched YouTube channel has had nearly 125 million all-time views. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for your continued support that has helped us reach millions of people all all over the world with the gospel. Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and our newest production, Transformed, are all possible because of the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you please prayerfully consider becoming one? We rely on your kindness and your generosity and your ongoing prayers. Visit wretched.org slash donate to get all of the details. That's wretched.org slash donate, or you can text the word wretched to the number 44321. There are brothers and sisters in Ukraine who could use your help right now. Max, the Tomorrow Club's leader in Ukraine, visited us on the telephone to share the need that many believers in eastern Ukraine currently have. Our focus was children evangelism. And right now, we have to walk away from that and really serve those families who had to escape. Our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West trying to meet the need of those families. It's a good opportunity to show Christ to them in this time of trial. Pretty unlikely that you can visit Ukraine to help those brothers and sisters, but there are hands and feet on the ground. The Tomorrow Club leaders helping out brothers and sisters in need in Ukraine. To learn more about how you can help and support the Tomorrow Clubs, who we hope will quickly return to children evangelism, learn more at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Hippolytus was perhaps the most important theologian of the 3rd century. He wrote a 10-volume book called Refutation of All Heresies, which catalogued and criticized hundreds of pagan philosophies, Gnostic teachings, and Christian heresies. Hippolytus was exiled and died a martyr under the Roman Empire. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Admit it, you want to say it, and we want to read it. This is Wretched Radio, hoping you will send pretty much anything wretched to idea at wretched.org. This one is from Matt, and he says, Todd, in, in heaven, will we retain a memory of our sin, or, and will we still be haunted by our failings? Yes, no. Yes, you'll remember your sins. If you, if you don't, there's two problems with that. One, God will have to give you some sort of brain swipe. I don't read about that in the Bible. Furthermore, I asked the Randy Elkhorn question, why would we know less in heaven than we know on earth? Furthermore, if we forget about our sins, we're going to forget about how amazing Jesus is. One of my suspicions about heaven, in order to really love God, 
in an increasingly expanding way, like more and more and more. I, I think there's a lot of ways that you can do that. But one of the chief, especially because it's the scarlet thread in the Bible, is that God is a rescuer. He's a redeemer. He's a forgiver. He's a propitiator. He is a merciful God and a good God and a loving God. And if we grow in our understanding of sin, we're going to grow in our understanding of his grace. And that's why we do well to ponder how much we sin was discussing this the other morning and we were getting ready, Mrs. Freel and I just discussing our total depravity (laughs) because that's the type of stuff we talk about. And I was just thinking "Ah, my motives, my reeking pride, my, 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 my brain that can concoct things that are not godly. It's like, I just, and, 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 and even some of the stuff that we think that we're pretty right on, we might end up being wrong on. And that doesn't mean I'm going to lose my convictions, but it does mean that I should understand, wow, God puts up with me a lot. Wow, his grace is never ending. If I'm sinning that much and he keeps forgiving that much, he is amazing. And I think that you're going to retain that in heaven and grow in your understanding of sin so that you can grow in your love for Jesus without feeling rotten. Why? Because you are also going to have a greater understanding. You really are forgiven. You rascal. You really are forgiven. You downright dirty dog. You are absolutely forgiven. And you're not going to feel rotten about it. You're going to rejoice that Jesus is that good to forgive you. We have much to look forward to. In heaven. And speaking of Randy Elkhorn, I can't recall if I've mentioned this. A number of weeks ago, his his wife died. And uh, Eternal Perspectives Ministry, if you want to go read, he hasn't done a ton of writing on it, but just you know, some of his tweets and his postings about the passing of his wife. It's it's edifying and sad all at the same time. If you want to get a better glimpse of heaven. Randy Alcorn wrote a book. It's a, it is a tour of heaven for 50 days where you will read about it and be encouraged by it because it's a devotional called Heaven. We have it at our website, wretched.org, where you can send emails, idea at wretched.org. Okay, this one comes from Joey, who uh, his question shows he's lived a very sheltered life. Okay. Uh, Todd, I've never really met anyone who enjoyed being lazy. Most healthy people need and enjoy purposeful work. So why are people lazy? Wow. I have. Have I, you not <laughs> met people who are just, they, they're happy to be slothful? Uh, yeah, that's why I said he's lived a sheltered life because I've met plenty you've of never, lazy. Yeah, you've never, well, perhaps he hasn't. Or, you know, perhaps he's met slothful people who said, you know, I kind of should get my act together. I wish I, he sounds like a proverbial fool when he speaks like that. Go to the ant, you sluggard. We're working people. Why are people lazy? I think it's a part of the package of total depravity, our fallen nature. But in a sense, it's also a bit of rebellion. God is a working God. We're to be working. He's prepared works for us to step into. Get on it. The sun is going down. Daylight is ending. We need to be about the business of our master. And when we don't, When we're being lazy in whatever regard, not just church work, evangelism, I'm talking about home, family, the house, work, 
We're not acting like God. So it's a bit of rebellion. I would also suggest it's a bit of ingratitude. It is also presumption that God is going to still take care of you, lazy bones, even though you never get off of the couch. It is loaded with sin. And if I'm not mistaken, I never memorized the seven deadly sins, which is all sins are deadly. But isn't sloth in there? I think so. So the individual who might be lazy, I think you need to get on it. I think you need to jumpstart your life. Take a look at what God has done for you. See what needs to be done by you and get on it. And I'm telling you, you will find joy. You will find more satisfaction because you were built to work. And when you don't do what you are built for, you will never, ever, 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 ever be fully content. Please send questions. No, before we get back to Jimmy, if, if you are not also operating under the understanding of what you are here to do, what the work is, you're, you're never going to be functioning fully. What are we here to do? Why did God create people? He created worshipers. We are here to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And if your focus isn't on that, building his kingdom, you can preoccupy yourself, but it's just that. We will never know the joy that Jesus prayed for in John 17 until we recognize everything I put my hand to is about Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, everything. Without that mindset, you're toiling for pretty much nothing. Please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched. Dot org. From Abby, Todd, what is your opinion on the Ebonics translation in others like the Pigeon Bible? Didn't know there was one. I didn't either. <laughs> this brings up a huge translation question because people, missionaries, will go into a, a native land where there are people who are not very advanced. They don't have a language. So what do they do? They make one. They, they try to figure it out, get it codified, come up with rules of grammar. Those things must be in place, and they must be universally understood by the people who are using that translation. Otherwise, you've got nothing but confusion. What do we learn from that? Well, when it comes to English translations of the Bible, we need to make sure that we're following rules of grammar because Greek follows rules of grammar. We need to make sure that we've got the words that describe what the Greek word is. We need to have a language. That's codified. Is pigeon and ebonics a codified language? To the best of my knowledge, it's not. It's a limited knowledge. It's a, a limited vocabulary for both of them. And there aren't any rules, which I think makes a translation very difficult. Having said that, if you, if you think about the style of Greek with which the New Testament was written, it is a conversational. It is. We call it Koine or street Greek, but it's not coarse, common, and not in keeping with the way everybody else is talking. So could there be an abonics and or pigeon translation? Well, I guess I'd have to study those two dialects a little bit more. But based on what I know, I just don't think they're sufficient to the task of rightly representing what the author intended to say. Idea. Wretched.org. Jesse is wondering where the tradition of uh, Christians closing their eyes and folding their mm. hands during prayer comes from. I have no idea, do you? No, I do not. I, I don't either. I know the purpose of it. 
It's to focus. Consider somebody who does not have all of his or her senses. Somebody who can't see, they hear like nobody's business. Somebody who can't who can't hear are more keenly aware of their circumstances. So you lose a sense. It helps you to focus. I think that I think that's the motivation behind closing your eyes. As far as folding your hands, well, the sluggard folds his hands on his stomach, twiddles his thumbs. But is there a folding? I, I'm not aware that there's a folding of hands that we read about in the Bible. I'm trying to consider not just Levitical laws. I'm trying to think of, for instance, Ezra and Nehemiah, where we read about some worship services. We do have the raising of hands in prayer, seen as a custom in that culture. I don't know where we can. Maybe it's just to, you know to not be fidgeting, not 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 be doing anything that might distract myself or others, so that we can focus on prayer. And incidentally, if you struggle with that, and you do, as <laughs> we all do, then. Actually, I was talking to a friend a couple of weeks ago. When he was in seminary, he had a Chinese brother who was going through seminary who he said would pray every morning for four hours, four hours. And to interrupt him, you kind of had to like startle him because he was so deep in prayer, not in a mystical way, but just really thinking hard before the throne of grace. And he asked his friend, how do you pray for four hours? And he said, because there's so much to pray for. We have a resource that will help you. It's called Praying the Scriptures. It's an outstanding resource that will help you to focus. Maybe you won't hit four hours immediately, but it sure will organize your prayers as you speak God's Word back to Him. Praying the Scriptures, wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Cheryl Helmer, who's a congresswoman from Kansas, is under attack at the moment. Her big crime? Publicly stating that she does not want to share the women's restroom with a man. And interestingly enough in this story, the top Republican in the Kansas House called the congresswoman's comments unfortunate. So Congresswoman Helmer is getting zero support from her Republican colleagues, though the published Kansas Republican Party platform says, quote, We believe God created two genders male and female. But I guess they meant for it to be open to mean that anybody can be whichever one of those two genders that they decide they want to be. An elementary school in Pennsylvania is being sued. They're being sued by the Satanic Temple because the school board voted no to allowing their after-school Satanic Club. The lawsuit says that the Satan folks feel discriminated against. And you know what? I actually agree with that because they certainly are being discriminated against because they're desiring to manipulate the minds of elementary-aged children into worshiping things that are evil. The governor of Oklahoma, Kevin Stitt, signed a bill this week that bans birth certificates in the state from being marked with non-binary. Other states have recently started allowing the letter X to be checked on a birth certificate indicating someone is neither male or female. You know, honestly, if you can't tell a newborn is either male or female, the person that's filling out the birth certificate form shouldn't be having children or delivering children. It's a pretty simple procedure. 
A judge in Houston has formally invited Disney World to relocate to the state of Texas after the Florida legislature stripped Disney of special tax privileges over Disney's desire to groom young children. But something tells me this judge doesn't speak for the entire state of Texas, whose laws and current leadership mirror those of Florida. If Disney does leave Florida, which I'm not sure is financially viable for them, I'm pretty sure Texas won't be their landing spot. New legislation proposed by Senator Marco Rubio would strip tens of millions of American tax dollars from Planned Parenthood. The resolution seeks to overturn a rule from the Biden administration that allows baby murder farms to receive tax dollars through the Title X Family Planning Program, which is such a dopey concept if you think about it. I mean, funding baby murder through a program called family planning. That's not family planning, that's family evading. And here's an example of something that would have caused this person to be committed years ago, but now it causes them to be celebrated and offered no help. From London, 49-year-old Deborah Hodge recently married her cat. The report indicates the decision to marry her cat was to avoid her landlord's no-pet policy. In an attempt to justify her decision, Hodge pointed out how refugees in Ukraine fled with their pets because of the shared bond people have with their animals. Okay, but I don't think any of them married their pets. I honestly pray someone actually helps her. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 1517. Martin Luther posts his 95 Theses, a simple invitation for scholarly debate that inadvertently becomes a hinge of history. Luther's challenge to the sale of indulgences sparked the Reformation and changed the face of the world. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Love, love, love it when you send pretty much anything to idea at wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio. If you see something that you believe to be wretched, well, we'd like it because we like wretched things. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This one comes from Patrick, who says, Todd, I was wondering what your thoughts are on the role of non-essentials and what they play in marriage, worship music, mm-hmm. eschatology. I know the Bible is very clear about Christians not marrying unbelievers, but what about these other issues? That is an excellent question. Believe it or not, I do believe that people who are considering marriage should write down all the ologies and then discuss where you're at on each one. There are many where you can get along just fine. I think eschatology would be one of those. Have a disagreement, but it's not going to cause friction. But there are issues that will. Baptism. You, you, oh, you. <laughs> Truly, you better get that worked out before you get married because you won't get it worked out after you're married. You've got to figure out what you're going to do with the babies. Hopefully, you're going to keep them dry unless you're giving them a bath in the tub at home and you await for a credible profession of faith and then immerse them in water and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You don't have that agreement. What you going to do when you got a baby? You're going to fight, and there's going to be heartache, and there's going to be some, some power maneuvers going on. Get that one worked out. I also think that you would do well to, to be in the same denomination. I, I just think there's, that's the reason for denominations. It helps us get along. That's my, under, that's my thinking of why God permits denominations. I don't think he's nuts about them. I always akin denominations to divorce. God permits it, but he sure doesn't like it. But it's a mechanism to help us get along in the global universal church. 
without fighting constantly over church polity, over the sacraments, the worship, all of that. So I, I would I would encourage you. I'm not sure I would put this as high as baptism, but I'd be inclined to do that because if you don't have agreement, you're going to end up going to separate churches. So, for instance, let's say somebody has a different understanding of gifts and they want to go to some some church that it is more, air quotes, Holy Spirit filled. But you are, you're reformed and you're a cessationist. Where are you going to go to church on Sunday? I think that issue needs to be resolved. What type of church are we going to be committing to? You don't do that. You're just. You're just looking for more sin. Because <laughs> believe me, if you are not married yet and you are not fully persuaded that you are marrying a totally depraved sinner, you're probably confused about your own holiness, but you're definitely confused about his or hers. It is a whirlwind. You throw two sinners into a domicile and you get right, you're just going to discover stuff about him, her. You're going to discover stuff about yourself. And you're going to have to work through things. And you should have a mechanism to do that at this moment. I'd love to recommend Drive-By Marriage, available at wretched.org with a study guide that will help you indeed to walk through these issues. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, encourage you, ask some questions like this. What's marriage? What's the point? What are we doing? Uh, how are we supposed to live? And it is my experience that most young people, even if they try to ponder that, don't ponder that as profoundly as they need to. Because if you don't understand what it means to have your marriage centered on Jesus Christ, your marriage will struggle. You say, oh, yeah, it will. No, I'm asking you, what does that look like? What does that sound like? How does that inform your thinking? How does that inform how you're going to respond when your spouse does something really agitating again? Make sure you understand what marriage is about, the role that you play, how we should be treating one another, what the purpose of it is, and you'll still have plenty to struggle through. <laughs> it's a school of character. Please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right. Jimmy? Yes. Uh, not to get like too personal. <laughs> Nobody's listening to this anyway. No. When you first got married. Yes. How long did it take you to discover that your wife is a sinner? <laughs> I knew that before we got married. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you're gifted in that regard. <laughs> but you didn't realize that much of a sinner. No, no. And 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 she didn't realize that about you. So when you really started to like get into the nitty-gritty. And the cabinets weren't closed the way that you wanted them, or the laundry wasn't folded the way that you prefer, or she didn't think that you were doing enough around the house, which I suspect you're not. But the point is, how how long did that, like, trying to figure out how do we wrestle through this stuff take you? Yeah, it, 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 well, how long did it take me to, to have a light switch moment? Yeah. It took me a while. Uh, Fine while. Uh, probably a couple of years. Yeah. Um, you right. know, it took me that long to realize, okay, I'm the one being stupid here. You know, and, and let me tell you the biggest thing, and, and I think all women have this. Um, the, the whole, hey, will you help me do the dishes? Yeah, I'll help you do the dishes. 
but you know, I guess the attitude in which I convey, I'll help you do the dishes isn't yeah. to the satisfaction. And so the argument comes, well, I just want you to want to do the dishes. Right. No, I don't want to do the dishes, but I'll help you. Right. And so that's that. That was a big struggle for me. Yeah. No, that. I, and you know what? If you sat down and put pen to paper, you'd come up with a thousand things like that. Now, was Jimmy's wife sinning that she wanted Jimmy to have a good attitude? Probably not. You know, and besides, if, if, if that's a that's a chore that's important to her, it should be important to you. Why isn't it important? Why do you just do it like you got to do it? And besides, don't you want to do it with me where we stand here and we do life together? Okay, she's not sinning. And Jimmy, quite honestly, you probably aren't sinning either. But there's the rub. You have to live with somebody and you have to respond to things that just aren't up to your standard and you are going to be shocked at them. It is it is staggering how trite it can be. You wake up and the first thing you do is turn around and you make the bed. Your spouse gets up and leaves it. Maybe always figuring, what, I just have to get back into it tonight <laughs> anyway. What's the point of doing all of that? So you're going you're gonna to fight over that if you, if you don't have the ability to work through it in a Christ-like manner. And if you don't know what that means, it's not a cliché. It means that I understand I'm simply living with a sinner. There's a difference between sins and preferences. There's a difference in things that are like, whoa, honey, I'm concerned about you versus, you know, about making the bed. Hey, for whatever it's worth, this is why I do what I do. But whatever. Uh, how do you get there? Because you understand it's merely a preference. What if, however, your spouse who doesn't make the side of the bed that he or she sleeps on goes over after you've made your side and throws the blankets down. Okay. Stuff like that happens. What are you going to do? If you don't understand that it is about forgiveness, grace, and seeing your part, if, if, if your spouse, don't like to use the word partner these days because it's been usurped. If you don't see them as sinning, you, you'll respond harshly. You're, it's inevitable. But if you see, oh, my spouse, is upset about something and responded angrily. Okay, that's a problem. And then, especially if you if you see anger, for instance, as an ongoing problem, you can ramp it up. You can get hotter. You can get louder. You can stomp your feet more intensely. But it's not going to get to the heart of the problem, which is it's sin going on. I'm telling you, drive-by marriage, so helpful. In fact, I just received an email from somebody who said they're doing it in a, a Wednesday night class. And I know some people, I know a lovely couple in College Station, Bryan, Texas. I don't know if you've heard of Texas. A&M. A&M. And I only say that because I know every Aggie just went, what? How do you not know that? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a ring from Texas A&M. That's how I don't know that. But they do the the drive by marriage. This is this this to me is one of the sweetest pictures of Christianity in action. The couple about whom I am thinking, they're older. They've got grandkids. They bring the youth into their home, let them be a part of their home, and then they sit around. They listen. They don't watch. They listen to a 15-minute lecture, and then they discuss it and work through the study guide questions. 
and they can download their wisdom into a younger person who is thinking about getting married or just got married. Now, you tell me something that is more beautiful than that. If you would see that in a culture where that always was taking place, where the elders were downloading their wisdom to the youth, you'd be like, that's amazing. And that's the way it should be in the church. So I might just offer this last Karen-like salvo. If you are young, you're considering marriage, or you are just married, and you're like Jimmy, a knucklehead who takes two years to have a light bulb moment. Only two years? <laughs> oh, when I think about me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Reach out to somebody. Find an elder, preferably your parents, and I'm not kidding, but somebody wise, and seek their wisdom. It's biblical, and you'll be glad you did. This is Wretched Radio. Confession normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable, biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. So what do you get when you mix a group of Gen Z college students and a group of biblical experts together with 2,000-year-old questions? Well, of course, you get Road Trip to Truth. John Favares has hit the road on a quest to find answers to life's biggest questions like environmentalism, social Darwinism, the deadly impact of pornography, and the dangers of agnosticism. Those are just a few of the topics covered in Season 2 of Road Trip to Truth, which is available now at roadtriptotruth.org. Season 1 is also available, along with study guides for each season and a homeschool curriculum. Road Trip to Truth helps your children better understand questions from the world from a biblical perspective, and it will help you learn how to witness more effectively to this generation. So grab your copy of Season 1 and 2 of Road Trip to Truth at roadtriptotruth.org. Wretched. Amazing grace, amazing gospel. There are many struggles experienced by our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, specifically those who run the Master's Academy International. The biggest challenge for men attending TMAI, especially in our context in Ukraine, is the opposition from people in the church who oppose sound doctrine, and therefore men really struggle to transform their ministries in accordance with the Word of God. The Master's Academy International in Ukraine fighting a battle on two fronts. (laughs) You've got Russia, of course, and you have opposition from the church in Ukraine for biblically trained pastors to preach the gospel. Would you please consider supporting the Master's Academy International? Adopt a seminary, 17 different countries. Might want to turn your attention to Ukraine. To learn more about this amazing legacy ministry, visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. 
Attributes of God The Bible tells us of God's faithfulness. Since God is truth, He has no desire to break His promises. Since He is omnipotent, nothing can cause Him to break promises. Since His promises are based on His eternal plan, God will always keep them. Scripture called God a rock, a fortress, and a bulwark, never failing because He is faithful. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. One, seven, seven, two, eight, two, this is Wretched Radio. Want to talk? We'd like to listen. one 282 beep You can leave questions, comments, snarks, and, oh, look, conundrums. Hey, Todd, I've got a conundrum for you. So I have a longtime friend who was attending the same church as me for a few years and has now started attending after getting married, albeit small, a church that endorses transgenderism as well as other far-left political ideas. Didn't know if you had any advice of what I can say or do about this. That ain't a church. (laughs) That's just not a church. He's going to something, but it ain't a Christian church. I think you pray for your heart, pray for wisdom, assemble your Bible verses, meet with him specifically, be loving, be respectful, be concerned, lay out your case, and then ask him for a response. So why is it, based on this, how, how come you're going there and you will learn much? And my suspicion is it will probably lead you to step two, which is using the law, presenting the gospel, commanding him to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in order to get saved. It's pre- Could it happen? Sure. Could a Christian somehow stumble into a church like that? Well, I guess it's possible, but I think the likelihood is you got somebody who makes a profession of faith, but they don't have a possession of faith, and you're probably going to have to witness to them. one 282 As someone with experience in this area, what do you see lacking in the creative spaces like writing and radio that a young person like me could tackle to make a difference for eternity? What a cool question that is. Make a difference for eternity. Most likely, out of the tens and tens of people listening, they might go, well, then write something religious. Well, that might be what this fellow chooses to do, but that doesn't have to be what he chooses to do. And I'm simply bringing this up so that we can understand that our work isn't secular or sacred. Our work is all sacred. Everything the Christian does is an offering to God. And that means that you can write about whatever your passion is. You might see a need. You have a particular gifting. Go ahead and write that. Do it for the glory of God. And that will have an eternal impact if nothing else, on you. Now, having said that, if you want to write something that has an eternal impact, point to Jesus. In in the sense of you want people to get saved, eternal impact, point to Jesus. Somehow figure out a way to have your writing reveal Jesus Christ. And 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 don't got to be super careful. You don't want to do it in in such a coy way. But I do believe that there can still be some power in writing even fiction books and weaving in biblical themes. I think it's better to be more overt, but you've got to consider the constrictions that you might have in the particular genre you're operating in. 
But you could point people to Jesus, and that too would have an eternal impact. But let me simply remind you that there is not a distinction. We are not dualists. We do not have God over here and life over there. Christians have a, a system that is fully informing every aspect of life. Jimmy, you got any recommendations? You write stuff. <laughs> um, no. Um, this question is, is kind of because he asked about radio. And, you know, he was asking about radio. Well, he's he asking about writing. Well, writing and radio or writing for radio. That's the way I understood it. I didn't hear the word radio. I thought I heard the word radio. I think radio. we need to separate. I, I don't think that we can ever go to church together. <laughs> okay. <again. laughs> One eight seven seven. If it's radio, by the way, if you're, if you're wanting to do radio, how do you get started with it? Well, um, some people choose to go to a broadcast school. That's okay if, you, if you'd like to do that. I don't think it's necessary. Here's, here's my, my tip for you. Find a local station, and it could be something like, it could be talk, it could be top 40, it doesn't matter. Go there, volunteer there. Just start being around it. I can't tell you how many people I know that it's like, uh, why am I in radio? Well, I was just, you know, I thought it was kind of cool. So I went to sweep the floors and they said, hey, could you record your voice? Can you sound like an, an individual who's trying to catch a train? And the next thing you know, they're on air. I think that's one of the most efficient ways to get there. And if you want to get on radio, get yourself a microphone, get yourself a recording device and do radio that nobody is ever going to hear. And do it, and do it, and do it, and do it. Record yourself constantly, and then go through the torturous process of listening to yourself and just get better. Then you could put together a demo reel, and you can send it off to stations and vie for a position. But I still go back to, Jimmy, yes. volunteering at a station. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, Take that, any gig. That's absolutely right. If you Definitely, if you have it. That's, that's how I did it. Um, I, I got a call and said, uh, that he, he said, um, a friend of mine said, Hey, um, can you mispronounce Bonnie Ray? name. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and you can, yes. and you did. And the next thing you know, you're on the air for 20 years. One eight seven seven two eight two. Church Here we go. Confer. Members only. All trespassers will be baptized. And number two, start easy. Only pray on days that end in Y. <laughs> <laughs> I got a two for two. This was sent in via email from I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think it's Shanna, but I'm not sure. They live in southern Idaho at a very busy near section where everybody sees the church sign. Last week the sign said, Question What do you call a dried plum? A prune. Is it a vitamin store that they got going on at the church? There, what is that? Then the next, this week, the sign said, what was the name of C-3PO's counterpart in Star Wars? Answer, R2-D2. I mean, they didn't even try to be clever and funny. I think I know why these things agitate me. <laughs> I think it's an ecclesiology issue. 
and, and I think it's also how we present God issue. And when it's so lowly and so trite and so silly and so worthless, it's like, don't you know the business that you're supposed to be about as a church? Church time. Easter is something more than to die for, and that is D-Y-E, guy. Wait, uh, what? Easter is something more than to die for, D-Y-E, like dying eggs. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's a joke about our Savior dying. <laughs> oh, one eight seven seven two eight two. First sign, did you know God can flip your script? I sure he can if I knew what that meant. Oh, I know. <laughs> your your current life is no. That's not theologically sound. You, your current life is going like this, but you want it to go like that. God can do that. Well, he can, but that's his script. <laughs> that's the problem with that sign. His script is what you're doing, even if it's not what you want to be doing. That's his script. Remember, no plan B's with God. You're on plan A. Even when you sin, that was his plan. What? I'm not saying he made you do it. I'm not saying that he's happy about it. But you wouldn't be doing it if he didn't permit it, at the very least. So this the, flipping the script, no, it just doesn't work like that. Okay, so if I, it's kind of a name it and claim it idea. My life is kind of crummy, so if I come to Jesus, then he's going to flip my script and life will be better. <clears throat> How's about we proclaim, if your life is a hash, we can help you sort it out. We know the answers to the questions you're asking. That might actually be a little more helpful and certainly a bit more, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, biblical. Church sign, gardening for God will bring you peace of mind. Oh, peace of mind. Did you know there's a place in Wisconsin that has a celebration called Pea Soup Days? That's right. It's a celebration of pea soup where people make their different pea soup varieties and they build an event about it uh not nothing wrong with that if you like pea soup but it does seem a little bit odd and it does seem a little bit trite again what do we, do we really want people to think about the church to think about jesus christ and think that he's punny <laughs> see what i did right there church sign sunshine is the best medicine no it's not <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. And first of all, for what malady? <laughs> okay, yeah, you don't have enough vitamin D. Get some more sun. So I, I guess if a church wants to help people up their vitamin D levels, that would very helpful. Very helpful if you think that's the mission of the church. But if you want to help people, what is the best medicine? Sorry to sound like a Sunday school answer, but it's Jesus. We need to give them Jesus. We need to show them there is a sympathetic Savior who loves sinners, dies for sinners, who will take them, clean them, adopt them, and then turn their lives around, not flip a script, so that they grow in holiness and inherit eternal life. If you could fit that on a sign, that would be great. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.